Alejandro approached her and was like, I think you're really attractive. My girlfriend and I have just opened up our relationship. I'd like to take you out. And she misunderstood and marched right over to me and started making out with me. <laughs> you were like, if we go on a date, she was like, let me just start this <laughs> already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all my guy friends were like, cheers. <laughs> Hi guys, I am Fernanda, this is Polycurious. Today's episode might actually be my favorite so far. I interviewed two really good friends of mine. Their names are Ruth and Alejandro, and they have been together for eight years and married for four. And this conversation was basically one great story after another one. We talk about how everything went really wrong when they first met and how they thought that they would never meet again. They also tell us about their first threesome and how that also was a disaster. Uh, we talk about how they went from having a long list of rules at first to adjusting to the needs of their relationship. And Alejandro shares a story that I really love about how he overcame an insecurity that he had. And we really talk about so much more. So I hope that if you are starting your journey or even if you've been exploring non-monogamy for a while, you find this interview as fun and as insightful as I did. So here's my interview with Ruth and Alejandro. Welcome, guys. I'm so excited to have you. I've been waiting so long to finally sit down and have this conversation because even though we're friends and I know you guys are open or I guess Polly, you can clarify that for us. But sure. I actually don't know much about how this happened and how your relationship works and Think you are both wonderful people, so I can't wait to learn more about. Well, thanks that. for having us. We're yeah, super happy to be. Yeah, excited. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Why don't you guys first introduce yourselves for mm -hmm. the listeners? Uh, so, for the purpose of this podcast, I will be Ruth, and I'm a uh, journalist. And I will be Alejandro, and I am uh, an architect and DJ. Those sound very cool professions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging out with this journalist and architect and DJ. <laughs> yeah. I told I told him that on our first date, and I was like, oh, "That's really hot." And he gave me this look, and I was like, "Oh, you're so cute. You didn't realize that that was really hot." <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never thought of myself that way. Like, and this is back in 2013 again. 2013, but yeah. so a lot less people were DJs back then. <laughs> I didn't think it was like. A thing, no, like an not. attractive thing. Yes. So. Well, I'm yeah. sure that by this time you've you've come to realize that it, it does help if you're a DJ and you're an architect. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, if you're only a DJ or only an architect, it's not right, the same. Like, <laughs> yeah, the architecting keeps my mom happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah and speaking of my mom, the reason why I want us to use other names is we're actually incredibly open with everybody in our lives about this, except for my mom. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the only reason why we're using these names. My mom doesn't speak English, so it's okay. <laughs> same, same with my mom. So yeah, I feel like that uh, gives me a lot more freedom. But yeah, that's super common. Most people, most parents are not used to the idea, you know. And I understand, you know, they grew up in a different time. They haven't been exposed to the things that we've been exposed to. It's a different generation, for sure. Yeah, and my sister used to be really not understanding of it and now she's like on full-on poly so oh really she's poly too well she's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah she's open she's very open with her current husband um and it was so interesting to see her go through that that whole process even with my mom like 
you know, I don't give her the details, but it's so surprising how open people are once you actually like explain things to them, you know, mm-hmm. like how can they not judge if they've never heard of it, you know? So yeah. sometimes it's just like opening up that door to like have a conversation with with your loved ones. Um, uh, you mentioned that it was 2012 when you guys met, right? 13. 13. 13. Yeah. And then we opened our relationship not much after that. I would like say like, months? you know, the window is, is blurry in my yeah. head, but I would say between three to six months. That's like the range. Yeah. And I know you guys just had your four-year wedding anniversary, so you've been together over all eight years. Yeah. yeah, which is a long time. Before that, I know that Alejandro was married for a few years, right? Yeah, I was married for eight, eight years. Eight before years. That. So, yeah. And that was one of the reasons why I decided that I wanted to try non-monogamy because I felt very stifled, very tied up, and uh, and, and and very much um, judged. And, and I knew that I wanted to have a relationship that would afford me more freedom, but in a way that it was much more ethical to do. I I actually sometimes feel for his ex-wife because I know exactly when a woman walks by that Alejandro finds attractive and I'll just look at him and he'll look at me and he'll be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know his type so well. <laughs> well, but uh, luckily you don't hold grudges against him because no, of that, right? No. <laughs> I mean, I I came to the relationship. What's interesting is both of our serious relationships before we met each other were with Scorpios and um, and we're both Sagittarius. So Sagittarius, we love meeting new people, experiences, and Scorpios are like, no, you stay here with me. <laughs> um, and so I also felt really stifled. Generally. That's Generally. Like a that's statement. a generalization. It's, it's very it's woo-woo science. science. Yeah, it's science. Right. Um, and, uh, and so my boyfriend was great in a lot of ways, but also like I was just – felt like, oh, there's a lot to explore in this city. I mean, he was like, you know, starting to talk about marriage. I was 24. And I was like, I'm too young for this. And also, I know there's a ton of super fascinating, transgressive, interesting underground things going on in New York City. And I knew in my heart that, like, he would never do it with me and would never let me do it by myself. And so I was starting to be like, maybe this is going to work. And then he'd be like, no, no, it is. And then I, I cheated on him. And so I think I read like this, the same essay that Illich did around the same time when we didn't know each other, which was something by Dan Savage. Oh, nice. We'll link it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to find it. It must have been like 2011 or 2012. I think it's the one where he talks about being monogamish. Yeah. Monogamish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That's it. Just the idea that you are not always 100% monogamous like maybe like only when you know your partner is on a trip or only with this one person you know there's like many different things it's like it runs the gamut you know because it could be also something as simple as you know you're allowed to flirt with somebody at a party and have that feeling of somebody finding you attractive and available even though you have a you know a long time partner or like even like you make out with a person and that's it that's all you do so there's def- different levels, as you were saying, different levels of what that monogamish could could be. 
Yeah, and I love that concept because it's kind of like, you know, when people are not fully vegetarian, you know, they try to eat vegetarian, but every once in a while they eat meat. And like, I feel like we are flexitarian, flexitarian, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, you know, the sexitarian. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sexitarian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this idea that it doesn't have to be black or white. But anyhow, you read the essay uh, yeah. about being monogamish. Yeah. And so it put the idea in, in my mind. There was one guy that, um, I uh, hooked up with, and we had gone to the same conservative college. And so um, he understood where I was coming from, which was from this place of like deep shame around sexuality. Like I come from a college where like, if people found out that you had butt sex, it was like the end of your reputation. Um, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up uh, in the South and then I went to conservative, wealthy, uh, small college in Virginia. And so he understood where I was coming from. And so I would do things that, like, I think a lot of progressives today would just, like, write me off as, like, a lost cause, right? Like, I remember one time I was like, oh, I heard you're bisexual. And he was like, maybe, you know? And um, I remember clearly one day, like, I said something around, The like, guy you were dating? Yeah. You told him that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I heard you're bisexual. And I had this, like, disgust, like, shock, right? Like, how could you be bisexual? And, and he was like, perhaps, <laughs> maybe, you know, like he wasn't offended at all because he I think he just knew all the baggage that I was bringing in because he'd seen that up close. He really did a lot of work to help me unwind a lot of the things like he took a Socratic approach to it of like, I think I said something around like, you know, what girls don't do. And he'd be like, but why? But why? why until I have to admit that like I didn't know why like I wasn't allowed to enjoy kinky stuff like you know and it didn't say something bad about me that I did enjoy it and it wasn't a didn't have to be a source of shame it could just be a source of pleasure he wanted to be fully polyamorous like he was already dating a woman I don't think he was my person and also I was just like you know I'm feeling really competitive with this other girlfriend and it's making me really uncomfortable and I, I don't want to be like a sister girlfriend, basically. But we we ended up um, staying on really good terms. And when I started dating Alejandro, Alejandro and I got into this fight and he was the one I called because he was the only sex positive person I knew. I didn't even know to call it sex positive. And I trusted him and he sort of walked me through some things and again, like unwound some of my misconceptions around sexuality and opened space for me to go back to Alejandro and be like, you know what? This thing that I thought was terrible is not terrible. And uh, I want to give this whole thing another chance. When you say that thing that I thought was terrible, what do you mean? So, <laughs> yeah. so I had lived for about five and a half years at this point uh, with the uh, misconception that I thought that I was herpes positive. And they had told me that I needed to go for a second test. And I never did because the moment I just heard positive, it was like, you know, my world just kind of collapsed, you know, and it was pretty stupid. But that's when I was married and I couldn't understand how I got it because I never cheated on my ex-wife. And then when I started dating around, I didn't know how to disclose. I didn't have the tools to like, you know, bring that very difficult conversation before engaging with somebody sexually because I was afraid that I'm gonna was gonna scare everybody away or whatever. So I never did uh, the first time that her and I were together, and then I brought it up before the second time that we were gonna have sex, and then that was 
the mistake that I made. And so, and I stormed out and wrote this vicious email outlining all the reasons why he wasn't ready to have a girlfriend. <laughs> and in the process, she wrote several times how shitty the sex think, was on I my I think end. I only wrote twice. And in my defense, I wasn't saying the sex was shitty. I was asking him because I also felt kind of pressured into sex that first time. Like, I think he was still operating from a sense of scarcity of like, if I don't get this now, like, it's never going to happen. I mean, this was 2013. Like, I feel like in the eight years, like society as a whole has come so far in terms of consent. And it was a pretty typical experience, right? Like, you make out with a guy. He's like, do you want to come home? And you're like, okay, but like, I'm definitely not going to have sex with you, okay? And he's like, yeah, totally. And then... Yeah, and then he pushes for it. Right. So in my email, I was sort of like, why were you so insistent on having sex when you knew you had this? And then on top of that, like, he was having issues getting it up because he was so nervous around this new person. And so I was just like, I just don't understand, like, how do these things fit together? Of course, in his memory, I just told him he was terrible at sex repeatedly. Three times. Twice. (laughs) Twice. And I think there were good points to make. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, also, like, first time you have sex with someone, it can be very, very different than, you know, once you get to know the person. And, Mm -hmm. like, there are so many factors that come into play. But I can't believe you guys ended up together after that happened. (laughs) How did you, you know, get over that hump? Well, yeah, so I called up that guy and he was like, okay, well, it sucks that he didn't disclose, but did you know that herpes is not a big deal? Like half of the population is exposed to it. They don't even test for it when you go in and tell them to do all the testing. Like it's hard to identify. There's false positives. There's false negatives. Like it's just not this. Basically skin condition. Yeah. It's not this disgusting thing that society has made it out to be. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mentioned this to you guys before, but it's a big stigma. But yeah. so there's apparently two types of herpes, and I have the oral herpes. So I have mm-hmm. like a cold sore, mm-hmm. uh, and when I got it, I did research and freaked out and talked to people. And I think that that's uh, an important thing to know that if you have herpes, if it's not like manifesting at the moment, it's more likely that you won't give it to someone else Mm -hmm. and also a lot of people have it and there's a lot of stigma and it doesn't mean that you are dirty it doesn't mean you know Mm -hmm. like but it sucks that you thought you had it for for such a long time and that that caused you know this issue with Ruth yeah but the silver lining for me was that I learned to have much more empathy for people who do have it and disclose and I think there's a value in disclosing and being open about it but also there's a very strong value on receiving that person is closing to you and being able to honor that uh with with the care that it needs so for instance we were we we're at a sex party um and a woman disclosed to us before mm-hmm. we had sex with her she said just so you know i'm not having an episode at this moment i wouldn't be here if i if i did but have been tested positive for herpes in the past and i think you guys should know um uh, you know, before we we start playing. And this person is, is being vulnerable to us at that point. And so it's important to know uh, how to treat those moments. And for us, myself included, like I feel like after having gone through this experience, I had a lot more empathy for her. And I understood that the science behind it and that she wasn't going to be transmitting to us. And at least like we could also make a choice of like, well, then, 
we could play with this person, but maybe skip the oral sex if we feel like that, you know, we could say yes, but then we change our strategy around how we play. Or we could be like, you know, completely trustful that this is the case. And we decided that, yeah, we were going to play with her and we were, you know, intimate with her. Yeah, and it was great. And it was great. So I think there is a lot of stigma that we put into this. And, you know, I think that it's good to talk about these things, you know. So like re real quick, like how did you go from that email to like meeting up again? <laughs> um, well, his response to the email was the best response that he could have sent, which was, I hear you. Like I made a mistake. I see I see why you wrote most of this email. I think you were unnecessarily harsh when it comes to the sex, but I'm going to work on these things. And I was like, whoa, this guy is incredibly emotionally mature. Um, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've learned since then that like um, some of the best catches in the dating world are men who have been through a bad marriage, gone to marriage counseling, and can talk about why their marriage fell apart without speaking badly of their ex-partner. Yeah, it reminds me it reminds me of a tweet I saw the other day. It was like, if you go to therapy, you immediately become 10 times hotter. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I think I even like uh, reposted the story on, on our Instagram because I think that that's true, you know? So There's true. a lot of value on like having lived those experiences and having learned from those mistakes. But anyhow, how did you guys um, <laughs> meet up again after that email? So... I was devastated and very depressed. And I had forgotten I had this really big gig in Washington, D.C., like a couple of weeks after that email. And I started preparing for it and getting ready for it. And then I get this text message from Ruth on my way down to D.C. to the gig where she said, hey, I'm hanging out with my girlfriends because it was um, Mother's Day weekend that weekend. So I was playing Saturday night. And I'm, I'm from Annapolis, which is nearby D.C., and apparently the biggest show happening that weekend was <laughs> that show that I was playing with uh, this artist. So she, she asked for comps for my show. Yeah, <laughs> and asked for comps and drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have a question. So when you saw how he responded to the email, were you like, oh, fuck, I want to see him again and I feel bad? and or, or were you honestly like not planning on seeing him again? And then you were like, oh, wait a second, but he's playing. I left the door open. I My email back to him was like, I think I said something like, thank you for this response. If I see you around, which I figure I will, because we had met at a party, I'll say hi and give you a hug, but I don't, I just don't see this going anywhere. But yeah, I wanted to go out that weekend. Oh, so you saw the show was happening? Yeah, 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 totally. Okay. Were you yeah, surprised? You oh, I had told you about You told about me that. It. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That changes thing, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Yeah, cool. I knew it was going to be a good show. And I was pretty new to the electronic music scene, too. So I was at this point where I was like, if anybody invited me to something, I would go. Like, it didn't matter who they were. I'd be like, oh, this guy, like, definitely wants to get in my pants. But this sounds like a fun party. I'll go. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I saw the way he DJed, it wasn't fist pumping DJing. It was like so generous. He just wants people to enjoy themselves on the dance floor, which I know sounds like a very obvious true, metaphor true. for sex. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I was just like, oh, wow, this guy seems like a good soul. Hmm. And yeah, there was a lot of like things on paper that, you know, he needed to kind of grow up and like he was like in full on I'm freshly divorced and like gonna rage mode but like I could see that 
there was something in the essence of who he is that was really good. And so, yeah, I went home with him that night and we had very creative, non-penetrative sex <laughs> to get around the the so supposed herpes and um, the rest is history. Who decided to open up the relationship or who brought it up first? Because you both expressed that you were kind of ready at that point. You had both read uh, the Dan Savage essay, but who brought it up first? I, I mean, I did technically. Like, I think we were just lying naked in bed one time and I was like, do you believe in monogamy? <laughs> and his answer was no. <laughs> no, my answer was, wow, that is crazy that you're asking this because I was thinking about that myself and I was thinking about how to ask you the same question, but I didn't oh. know how to bring it up. Yeah. So uh, we were both, we were both thinking about it. And I mean, even, even like, I think that conversation at that point was like, okay, well, we're not going to open it up right this second. Yeah. I had never experienced being in an open relationship. So we had to learn a lot together. Yeah. Yeah, so we, I mean, we definitely approach the whole relationship as in like hot people will continue to exist even if we fall madly, deeply, truly in love. So the idea of opening up the relationship sounded really good to me for two reasons. One is I still hadn't fully explored the side of me that's attracted to women. The second thing was I knew that I would really want the pleasure of like meeting someone interesting and like fully exploring that connection. Yeah. And also, I've always just really believed that, like, a sexual connection, um, especially between a woman and a man, like, I feel like men, the way society is right now, like, men are more empowered to pull you completely into their world and show you completely new things, like, in a really enveloping way. Even if you become best friends with a woman, like, it takes a longer time for her to be like, hey, I'm going to create an entire experience for you that's in this completely different world that you're not a part of. And that's one of the things that I enjoy most about sexual relationships, casual or serious, is like is entering into someone else's life in a really intimate way and seeing the way they live and what they enjoy and meeting the people in their lives. So I didn't want to give that up. I mean, that's why I'm a journalist, right? I was about to say that. I was like, that's exactly the reason why I'm also open That's exactly why. And I also studied journalism. And I was going to say, that's the journalist in you. And that's the journalist in me. Because, um, yeah, I just find it so interesting. You know, even if I'm not like super in love with the person or even if I'm not like that sexually attracted, it's just like, wow, this person lives this way and it's opened up this window to the world to me. And yeah, I really love that. How did you realize, though, that you were attracted to women? I think I... I knew it for a long time, but I just didn't want to admit it to myself because to me it felt trashy to be bisexual. And uh, right, I, that's why you told your your ex. I heard you're bisexual. Oh, even right. worse for men, right? Like, I mean, I don't believe that anymore, obviously. But I started having dreams about women. Um, we should tell her about our first threesome right after we opened up our relationship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell me about that. The very beginning, like, what was your first? Or one of your first experiences, like opening up, and what did that show you? Well, it, it, you know, n not much has changed for us from that perspective from I don't know eight years ago because there was always this this hesitation on my end, this fear, which is the moment you open the floodgates, 
the woman in the relationship is just gonna get like dates left and right while the guy will not and that's like still holds true to this day uh so it was really hard for me i think i remember asking her to give me like a window of time to find dates so it was like a few months so i was like can you hold because it's gonna be really easy for you to find a guy but i need to be out were you like let's plan to have a date at the same time no i was it was even more like let me just have these experiences first so that i can wrap my head around what it means to go out and while i'm in a relationship and like a year and nothing happened for me i never found like any dates i had to let go yeah to like release basically yeah dating separately took a really long time Mm -hmm. but but i think it was a few days after we're like okay let's try this opening up and alejandro played this like wild party that he'd put together everybody was just drunk and high on everything and we went back and after partied at his place and there was this woman there and alejandro approached her and was like I think you're really attractive. My girlfriend and I have just opened up our relationship. I'd like to take you out. And she misunderstood and marched right over to me and started making out with me. <laughs> you were like, if we go on a date, she was like, let me just start this <laughs> already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all my guy friends were like, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> were you attracted to this woman? Yeah, she I thought she was gorgeous, cute. Yeah. yeah, she was gorgeous, like good energy. So the party starts wrapping up and people are leaving and she'd come with one of our friends who we're still friends with to this day. Everybody's like on a beeline leaving the apartment. So it's our friend who brought her over and she's the last person. I was so, you know, messed up, uh, like drunk and everything. I just put my body in between her and her friend and on the door frame and I go, she's sleeping over tonight. And I I close the door (laughs) on him. And like, and then we go into the bedroom. Yeah, but she was down, down for. Oh me. yeah, she had a oh. huge smile on her face and was yeah. like, "She was mm-hmm, into it." Yeah, she, totally. Yeah. But yeah. we were so drunk and high, and so she was laying on her back on the bed, and I was on all fours on top of her, making out with her, and then Alejandro. What well, and. You know, an erection is a fragile thing, <laughs> especially when you are this drunk and this everything. And also everything. having a dream for the first time. For the first time yeah, as for well. for the first time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Alejandro is coming in from behind. And after I went into an inner session of yoga breathing <laughs> to find my true north and be able to gather the energies and the, the concentration to summon this erection. <laughs> a very fragile erection. The erection was there and I was ready to go. And this is where I'm coming from behind. So he comes in from behind and I guess you were going for her yes, vagina. I was aiming for her vagina. And he completely missed and got my asshole. And <laughs> I whipped around and looked at him and I was like, what are you doing? Because in my mind, I was like, oh, motherfucker. A threesome is not enough for you. You also want to like do some butt sex as well in the middle of all this. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and he didn't realize right, so, what was going so on. So from my, my perspective, I just I just aim for her guest of honor's vagina <laughs> and I got slapped in the face <gasps> out of nowhere. And I thought, oh my God, it's finally happening. She's jealous. Because she's, she's not very jealous at all in the relationship. And I thought I it's see. finally like manifesting. 
this way at this point in the middle of her first threesome. She's jealous and she slapped me in the face. Oh wow! I sh- I, maybe I should have aimed for my partner's vagina and first. At this, at this point, and, uh, so at this point, you, that, that you, direction you, is gone. Right, but direction you, you hadn't gone. even realized that you were doing anal. Oh no! Oh no! no he no. didn't make it in. No, it was just like oh, okay. perspective. Oh, like, he didn't make it in. No, it was nothing. just. That's yeah. what happened. Like she it, slaps it went to that part, me. And oh, I, was like, oh, I see. No, I see. Not. I see. I yeah, see, she I slaps see. me, and so direction is gone. It's really awkward. Our guest was like, you know what? Because he's just standing there, like he doesn't know what to do. And she was like, hey, do you think um, he could he could leave? And my drunk reptilian woman brain goes into girl mode, right? Like, like if your girlfriend doesn't want a guy there, like he has to leave kind of forgetting that like we were the partners and we were in this together and so i was like babe can you leave and we left the room and she and i made out for like three more minutes and then passed out and i proceeded to go to the couch and sleep with pancho and we both fell asleep he's the cat cat. he was right next to us right here (laughs) yes and uh he was a baby cat at the time and he Provided me with the support that I needed at that point. Because <laughs> I was devastated. I also couldn't understand because, and this is being told from your perspective a lot, but from my perspective, I just got slapped in the face thinking that my partner is really jealous, jealous yeah. and upset. However, she asked me to leave the room and is making out with this woman still, even though that I'm thinking that she's mad at me. So it was very conflicting in my head. It was a very emasculating experience when I think about it again. Yeah. And so it wasn't good at all. And so I'm thankful for my cat. (laughs) And the next morning I woke up and I look over and see this woman and I'm like, you know, like there's that movie trope in romantic comedies where the guy wakes up next to a woman and he's like, oh, no, why? Like, this sucks. Like, what is she doing here? And he tries to sneak out. I felt that way. I never felt that way. And I was like, oh, no, I have to deal with this woman. I'm hungover. I feel like shit. Bad things happened last night. And so I don't remember anything after that. But I did get up and I went and cuddled on the couch with Alejandro. And then I explained what happened. And it took a few weeks for us to like recover yeah. from that. And we were like, we are never doing this drunk or high again. Like, yeah. we need to be in possession of all of our faculties if we're going to do something that is ripe for so much misunderstanding and mistakes and emotional yeah, just like it's it's just a lot to take on, even if you're sober and if you're drunk or high, like forget it. You know, sex is better when you have your faculties more with you. Yeah, I mean, you're more present. I, I think you're more present. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a sobering experience. I feel like <laughs> I feel like other couples might have experienced that and, and been like, okay, you know, let's close this off. I mean, it was funny because I didn't find out about aiming for the wrong hole until <laughs> I woke up the next morning and her guest left. I was like, oh shit, I was so out of my mind that I couldn't tell like, you know, where I was aiming. I listened to another interview that uh, they did. Maybe I can also link it in the show notes that you guys did. And you were talking about like how uh, you, Alejandro, had a lot more rules for Ruth than Ruth had rules for you, and it sounds like it has to do with what you mentioned that you, Ruth, are not very jealous, and and Alejandro, you are. Um, but I was actually curious about one of the rules, which was something like, like guys couldn't come. What? 
on her or like or, well, or inside her I don't remember the, the details but like can you tell us what those rules were and like what your logic was and how maybe those rules changed over time well I don't think we're going to be able to remember all 50 rules that he typed out on a PDF and gave to me before this happens. <laughs> it was just like... I don't know what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I was just like, go forth, babe. Have a good time. Treat women with respect. So the rule that she described is okay, men yeah. coming on her. Yeah and, yeah. and there's an aspect of kind of, you know, as a man, like, Obviously, nobody can own anybody else. So there's no ownership, really. Like, you know, one of the things about open relationships is that you, you have to understand that even though you are in a, in a relationship, it doesn't mean that you own a person. However, for guys, it's, you know, or myself, I guess I have to speak for myself. You know, there's this kind of imagery of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a strange kind of symbology of, you know, allowing your woman or allowing another man to do something on your woman, which feels like they're now taking more ownership of a person that you're with. And again, I don't subscribe to that idea. I don't think that there is much logic no, to that. No, but I, I, I understand we live in a society. And I mean, you are Latino. Like, yes. you come from a machista culture. Mm -hmm. um, and those ideas are very prevalent, even if you don't, believe them when you after the fact think about them but you grew up with them and yeah. there are things that affect you you know and that's yeah. why i was interested in asking you because i assume that rule is no longer valid i don't know but so no so we were able to negotiate it to something that worked for both of us which was well first i broke it immediately <laughs> you broke it immediately on the first day that you went out with a guy uh <laughs> and so i requested that at least that that didn't happen on her face yeah And then related to that, this aspect of branding or your partner coming back with bruises, for instance, mm -hmm. or marks yeah. or bite marks. Even nowadays, like that's still something that I request that that doesn't happen. Yeah, but you know, that's different from the other rule because if she comes back with marks, you'll see those marks. Right. every day or when you have right. sex with her. And yeah. that's not something pleasant, right? right? right. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's pleasant for some people. For some people, but, maybe, but, yeah. yeah. But that's different than determining the way she interacts. And again, no judgment because I understand where you were coming from, but like yeah. that's different than determining the way she interacts sexually with someone else in a space in which she is supposed to like feel free sexually, right? And and especially if it comes from this idea of he owns them more than I do, like all these ideas. But mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, that was ages ago. That was literally like uh, so many years ago. And I'm sure that those ideas have evolved. We ended up just taking the rules out and simplifying it to the point where it was like, yeah, no marks, no anal sex, which is totally fine with me because I only trust Alejandro with that anyway. It's a really sensitive delicate thing that involves a lot of trust. And my rules for him are more around treating women with respect. I think a lot of the growth that Alejandro's had as a feminist is because like it's the beginning. Yeah. It was like, there were some guys I had vibes with. And as soon as I told them that I was opening it up, they'd be like, great, let's fuck. And he had to spend a lot more time, especially because we weren't in a community of people that understood this. So, and also Both of our types are like girls next door. And also this is back then when 
open relationships were not as mainstream as I think they are these days. Yeah. So like, I he would come home super frustrated because he'd be like, I was talking with a woman. And then as soon as I told her, she was like, I don't believe you. And yeah. And it's easier to hook up as a woman in an open relationship than as a guy. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there are less women open to the idea of dating a man who has another partner already. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. I think that's changed a little bit also because now we're in this like community of people who know us and like, you know, five years ago, I'd wake up to texts from people being like, I saw your husband or I saw your fiance and he was making out with another woman and I'd be like, we're open, thanks. <laughs> now, like, everybody knows we're open. You know, we're always open to asking, answering questions. And it's gotten to the point where, like, a lot of women really trust Alejandro and they know me. And so we have this openness that allows women, like, to hook up with him and, like, know that he treats women with respect. But, I mean, he had to earn that. Like, he would come home and he'd be so frustrated. And he'd be, like, I got so angry. And I'd be, like, yeah, I mean, if you approach women – as this transactional, like, I am trying to find a partner to have sex with because I'm jealous that my partner is getting to have sex with men. Like, you're not going to get anywhere. Like, it's not sexy or awesome. Like, you have to just feel this abundant, like, she can say no and it doesn't matter. And, like, that's her prerogative. And, like, there'll be other women. And so it took a really long time to get through that part. And meanwhile, I was having a grand old time hooking up with men. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because now it's a little bit like things have flipped. I'm not sure if this is completely true, but, like, you've mentioned before that you've had difficulty of people, like, knowing that you are with Alejandro and that being, like, a hindrance from you developing that relationship. So it seems like at the end of the day, either things flipped or they balanced out. I'm not sure. So within our community, it's been a hindrance you know, for people to know. This is a theory that we have. It is this a theory. Is I, I'm, I'm not inside any men's mind, so I have no idea. And like it, being inside a community that's so sexually open and like I actually haven't hooked up with any other men um, since 2018. Until Monday. Until Monday. Until this Monday. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. But for a few reasons. One of them was like, I am fully sexually satisfied with Alejandro and then all of the beautiful women that he brings home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's totally fine. And the other thing was like, for a while, it was really hard because I would hook up with a guy and then Alejandro would find a reason to get incredibly upset. And then on top of that, he would insist on meeting up with the man and having long, soulful conversations about his feelings around me hooking up with that man. And so that man would not hook up with me anymore. <laughs> For the record, I heard the Frankie episode and I thought it was such a beautiful thing that she was able to go and talk to the person that was that trigger okay yeah but that was not the same because he's referring to a previous episode frankie episode, episode six if you guys want to check <laughs> yeah. it out yes. but that was different because these people were not in our friend group yeah actually this is a good segue because i wanted to talk about this story that you also shared in another uh podcast which i'll also link in the show notes uh yeah. but it has to is related to this because you also approach this person indirectly though but uh it was interesting when ruth had sex with someone with a very big penis and then she came home and she was hurting and then you ended up also approaching this guy. Uh, can you can you maybe like yeah. share that story? Yeah, absolutely. So so she came home, uh, she she was hurting because she 
had sex with this guy who I called Charles in that episode, and I'm going to call him Charles again. Yeah, yeah. And, and the funny part is that I think you mentioned as, as well that the first thing that your friends told you Uh, when you told them that you were opening up the relationship, they were like, dude, aren't you afraid that she's gonna have sex with someone with a bigger penis than you? And yeah. you were like, nah, it's I mean, gonna, yeah. It's gonna take a while for that to happen. And then sure enough, she came back home and she couldn't have sex with me. And like I said, I did what any guy will do. They, <laughs> I reached out to him because he's also in, a, in an open marriage and I basically asked him, hey, I'm wondering how you deal or cope with when your wife comes back home and she can have sex with you because the other guy had too big of a dick and she can have sex with you. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I hope that that's not what I did for you so guys. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, you did. It's the most awkward were you, were you like trying to bring it up, maybe unconsciously at that point? Like, were you trying to no, bring up? No, I think up, I was very conscious about up, it. Yeah, okay. You were just being indirect to him about it. I was very passive aggressive. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I so to... embarrassing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't recommend anybody doing this. But what came out of that experience is that uh, basically... He was very level-headed and very mature about it all. And clearly he's been in, in the sex positive community for a while. And he said, you know, you clearly am the object of your dissatisfaction or something. I forget, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he basically said, I think the best thing to do, rather than getting mad at me, he offered help. And he said, I will talk to you about these things, but I think the best thing to do will be for a good friend of mine who has gone through similar things to what you are going through right now. He's super nice and he has this abundance of good energy and, and, and advice to give. And I'm happy to put you in touch with him so you talk about this, you know? And right. then you can reach back out to me if you want after that. Uh, so it was, it was nice because it was sort of like he was kind of diffusing the situation, but also providing help, which was, uh, you know, I found it to be uh, very mature of him. Uh, and I took him up on that. I met with his friend and he just basically started telling me all these stories of what it was like to let his partner go out on dates with guys who were literally Abercrombie and Fitch models <laughs> with six packs, <laughs> who you will see in the catalogs. And, you know, and I'll be like, wow, this is, you know, this is incredible, you know. Because it makes you feel like you're not alone, at least, you know, to have the support, to have people that you can talk to these things. Because I felt very isolated, you know. I think that part of that being passive-aggressive, which I don't like to admit that I did, but I did. But I think part of that, when you were asking me if, if it was subconscious, I think it was subconsciously me feeling like I was in the hole and feeling like I didn't know where to reach for help. We started going to therapy as well, which helped us a lot, tremendously. It's really but, good to have a referee. Yeah, but it was it was hard because I, I was even teaching design classes at Parsons at that time. And when this particular night happened, was a night that I was teaching and I was so, I could not concentrate on my class that I had to end the class short and go home, basically. I remember coming back home and, you know, just just breaking down and crying because I couldn't take it. It was pretty hard to to digest that as a man. But also, um, like, I don't think you believed me at that point because I don't think I had written that article yet about how I actually just don't like big penises. And it took me a really long time. I mean, this was a learning experience for me, too, because pop culture is always like, 
like, wow, like big penises are the best. And I was finally starting to admit, like, I don't like huge penises. I don't think that kind of pain is like. Yeah, that's also when I heard this story, that's also what I thought. I was like, I mean, because I've been there, like, you know, having having sex with someone who has a really big penis and then it hurts, it's not enjoyable, right? Not if enjoyable, it, if, it, yeah. if, it, if it's too big and it hurts, it's not enjoyable. Yeah. So I found that interesting. And I mean, I totally understand because we live in a society that puts so much value on, on the penis size when, you know, you yeah. realize that it's not that important. But it's funny because you were hurting. You also didn't like it. But Alejandro was still jealous yeah. because of this societal idea that yeah. we have that a bigger penis is a better person that's going to yeah. take over your partner or, yeah. or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I learned from that to have to know this boundary that I have. And now if I hook up with a guy and his penis looks really big, I'm just like, hey, like, this is might be too big for me. And like maybe we can try it. You have to be very careful and I'm going to stop you if you're not careful. Whereas like before- Also use a lot of lube. <laughs> yeah, a lot of lube. But also like prior to that experience, I would just be like, yay, your penis is so big. Like, I love this so much, you know? <laughs> like, and that wasn't true. I was lying to myself and I was lying to the guy. And I also think it does a disservice to all men. First of all, men who don't have giant penises have this like body dysmorphia around the size of their penis because they only see porn-sized penises. And then men who have large penises are taught this apocryphal story about how like they don't need to learn how to be attentive to a woman's needs because all they have to do is ram their beautiful big dick yeah, in and yeah. like the woman will love it, which is so not true. So I learned something from that as well. And um, I, I think for me also to feel free with a woman and have like free sex that I feel like I don't have to worry about my erection uh, is when I know this woman better and she knows me well and we have been maybe like a second time, but always the first time there is this association with being six foot five and women having this like projection on me that right, I must have Alejandro a large, a large six foot five. yeah, that I must have a gigantic dick, which I know I don't, I have a regular size dick. And, it's literally and, average. I looked up the scientific. And, <laughs> and also on top of that, I'm a grower, not a shower. So it creates this sort of pressure on me mentally of like, well, there's this expectation that I must have a huge dig. So I better be ready and hard by the time the clothes come off because otherwise it's going to be very embarrassing. And what it has been in the past, you know, when I was younger and I had this experiences where like there was a lot of kind of disappointed faces you know do you uh, think that it was really disappointed faces or that you were I'm, in your I'm mind sure, about I'm it? sure there is a lot of like my own self-projection to that and maybe you know yeah a little bit of both maybe a little bit of both mm -hmm. but what I'm very sure is that if there is a certain type of body shaming of what you call it like body dysmorphia of sorts like you know for men it's this sort of fabricated idea that the guy with a giant penis is God and is and to it all for good sexual pleasure. Which I mean, it took me probably four years of consistent telling Alejandro that his penis is literally the perfect size for me for him to believe me. And he didn't actually believe me until I wrote this article about it and it went viral. And he saw all the comments flowing in from other women being like, yes, thank you for articulating this. And then 
that and then also being at Burning Man at the human carcass wash, you get naked as soon as you walk into this tent and then you- It's a giant circus tent. Yeah. And then you just wait in line for 45 minutes completely naked, dancing to disco music. And it was even better than going to a sex party because I think- there's a little bit of self-selection at sex parties of men who do have larger penises. And there it was like, oh, this is what the average flaccid penis looks like, which is not what you see in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. we'll uh, finish the story. Yeah, so, so, so. so then, so what got me out of all of that, so I talked to his friend and it was pretty helpful. And then I didn't reach out to Charles again. I, I just reached out to say, I met with your friend and it was very helpful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I didn't see Charles for another year. And then we bump into him and his wife at a sex party. And at this point, this article had come out already and I was in a whole other place. And what kind of like cemented this belief and it allowed me to shed and to let go of this preconception was uh, Charles out of nowhere, I didn't bring any of this up. He was very nice, you know, and so was his wife. They were lovely, we're talking. But we're in a room with other people fucking, and there's a woman who was hollering, who was with this guy. He's this Asian guy who is he's like a sex bird of everything. He had these gloves, and he was having sex with this woman, but he was just using his fingers at that point. He was making her like calm in all forms and shapes right before our eyes. And Charles turns to me in the middle of conversation. He's like, do you see this guy here? I'm like, yeah, I see him and I hear her too. So yeah, so, uh, you know, I've been thinking about what you asked me a while ago because I didn't have an answer, but I do have an answer. It's funny that he's here right now. So that guy went out with my wife and um, up to that point, my wife, you know, she, she will tell you she could not squirt. She was like, I'm not built for that. I'm not a squirter. And she went out and they with him. And he doesn't really have that average size dick as well, but he's magic with his fingers. He knows how to use his fingers and he made her squirt for the first time ever. And that to me was perhaps equivalent of this kind of inadequacy that you may have been feeling. That you uh, felt that when he with was, me. Yeah, when he went out with, you know, with my wife. So it was this kind of, it's very meta, but he was putting himself in my shoes and expressing how that must have felt for me. And it was nice because I feel like you don't see this type of rapport, this type of conversation amongst men. And I thought it was really nice and something I like about this community that men are able to like have this type of conversations. You know? Yeah, I think it's a beautiful story for so many reasons. First, I don't know who Charles is, but he sounds like a great person. Yeah, he is. But also like this point of like not only the penis size, but like there's always something that men or women are insecure of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and when you are in a poly relationship, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this guy has a bigger penis or this guy really knows how to make my wife squirt or my partner squirt and right. I, I haven't been able to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things and the list can go on and on and on. But yeah. you realize that the beauty of non-monogamy is that you get to experience that. You get to experience the guy who has the big penis and the guy who has the small penis and the guy who makes you squirt and the guy who's like maybe not that good at in bed but makes excellent dinner or maybe has a small penis and is not great at making you squirt but 
touches you in a really nice way that really like turns right. you on and there's so many or not how to do shibari and like <laughs> yeah. tie you up in a crazy exactly. way exactly and like there's a reason why that person is with you right mm-hmm. and there, there's always something that they're gonna find in someone else that you don't have right is 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 kind of getting used to this idea of you know i'm not deficient for not doing the thing that this other person does yeah. for for my partner you know so everybody's different you're yeah. so wise, Fernanda. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So so are you guys. Like I said, I haven't hooked up with another guy outside of our relationship um, since 2018, partly because of the pandemic, obviously. I wasn't feeling sexy at all last year. It was like me and moo-moos all day, every day. Uh, and then with spring and getting vaccinated, and I was feeling really hopeful, and I was like, I am horny. And... Alejandro, his hat like reconnected with a lover and like also even before the pandemic, I had hooked up with other guys, but he'd been hooking up with a couple of women that were really great. And so I was like, you know what? I haven't really been able to meet a lot of men in the community. And like I said, like I can't get inside these men's minds, but I think there's a couple things that could be going on. Like one of them is Alejandro is very respected and like people love him. And so like, I feel like there might be a little bit of like bro code going on where it's like, I'm just not going to fuck with Alejandro's wife. Um, yeah. The other thing is like, honestly, I often feel really not great about my age compared to a lot of the women who are around. I'm 34 and there's just a lot of like really gorgeous you don't look good, women. though. You don't look terrible. That's really sweet of you to say. And so I've been feeling like a little bit... And, and I mean, even if you did, I don't think 34 is old at no, all. No, it doesn't. It's not old. So I got on field, actually, because I was like, I want to meet people outside of the burner community. I was super nervous about it, but it's been great. It's an incredibly sex-positive app. I was just like you know what, I'm going to put my pictures up there. And if somebody sees me, they see, see me. Like at this point, I don't care. And I- And a thousand- A thousand one hundred men, men liked my profile. It was <laughs> literally super overwhelming. Um, but I, it was a really interesting exercise because I had this very clear vision in my mind and I just asked for it. And I kept refining my profile to be like, I want conversation, which I added in that I wanted someone with their own place. Also, I at first I didn't. And then I did put in like, I don't want anybody with more than an average size penis. And it's just going to save everyone so much time. You know, it's been really fun. And um, I've been on two dates. They were both great. And yeah, big recommend on feel. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And Alejandro, how how do you feel about it? Just like I just want to like maybe compare from like those times uh, that we just went back to to now. I mean, are are there still like and it's okay if there are because it's super normal to feel feelings of jealousy, especially since you know uh, Ruth hasn't gone out uh, or been with someone else in so long. So I understand that if that's yeah. the case, but I'm just curious. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not calling any of these guys anymore. <laughs> so that's that's one that's one difference. So yeah, I think uh, you know it, it's interesting because in a way nothing has changed in that women are wanna get we're gonna get like literally a thousand hits versus my field is like I've only been linked with one woman, this Colombian woman, and we were supposed to have a date and then she changed her mind and that was it and that's fine too. But it's kind of like it shows you that stark contrast and difference so 
you know, like, and trying to break away from this notion of like, if you get five, I get five, like, you know, whatever, like, and she's having her dates. The only thing I asked was like, just, just give it to two men per week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because also she has things to do. And one thing that I really. And, and you know, she needs uh, to also. And she also needs like, pay attention to you. Yeah, yeah. As well. Yeah. And, and that's been my only ask. Whenever these feelings of jealousy kick in as she's been going out, I go back to all the things that I have learned from the past. And also, she's been really good at reassuring me that I'm I'm the person that she really loves uh, truly and that I'm the person that checks a lot of her boxes as a woman. And you guys and she have, loves been, me, you have know? been together for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah and, we're married know. as well. And, and you also, know, like, uh, before I set up field, like... We have a, our main, main rule is like, if we're not feeling abundant and good with each other, we, we shut it down. So if we're fighting or anything's wrong, like we do not go out with other people. And it was a semi-conscious thing that like, I did not feel sexy at all last year. And then this year I'm super horny. So we were having more sex than we had last year with each other before I set up this app to like go out and hook up with other men. And we're still having more sex with each other, even though I'm going on other dates. So like, it's this abundance mentality of like, just because I'm having sex with other men doesn't mean I'm ha gonna have less sex with you. Yeah, and I think also one thing I've found in my journey of all these eight years is found that meditation helps a lot. <laughs> it truly does. And I've been able to tap into that as well. Also, I've had several experiences with women on my own, uh, as well as with Ruth together. So I know that it may take some time for me to find dates, but when they do happen, they're quite wonderful because I would say like 98% of all the women that I've gone out with, or 97%, I'm still good friends with, and usually still sexually active with them. And the quality of almost all the women that I've been with, it's it's been incredible. It's been like really, really joyful and very, very in-depth and very just fascinated and respectful to our relationship as well, which is very important to me. Mm -hmm. Women in general are so mindful of other people, other people yeah. in their relationships yeah. and women. More and they're always aware more aware. People, yeah. And I really admire that so much from women. For me, it's interesting that I've been able to find a lot more about masculinity by having these interactions with women in an open relationship than talking directly to other guys. Because I'm able to have this window into how other women are dealing with other men by being present for other women. Oh, that's beautiful. So because they shared their experiences mm -hmm. with other men, mm -hmm. you you get this the, the, the truth, honest the truth, honest story behind everything. Because amongst men, we're always trying to be like the most macho, outdoing the other guy. Like, oh, I never lost my erection, which is not true. Like that, you know. Yeah, sometimes you don't, but like oftentimes you don't even get it. Things like that. And when you are on your own, you think that you are the only person that that's happening to. I start to talk to all these women who are having all these other experiences with men. And I start to realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not the only man having this. this. Yeah, There's and I think that's us, beautiful. You know? I mean, that's why I also started the podcast, because I feel like we, we need spaces to have these conversations. And, you know, I would recommend for people who are opening up, if they can find other people who already open up and, and get their advice or just listen to this podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm glad that you've gotten that perspective from that.
Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that comes from one of the rules from Ruth, which is leave women in a better place and where you found them. And part of that is being with women and hearing the stories of their frustrations of like, oh, I'm seeing this guy, but this happened. What do you think? Who are both laying down in bed after sex. And then I'd be like, well, you know, I think this And that's such a beautiful feeling, right? Like to feel like you can talk about your other relationships with someone that you were just intimate with you know and i mean this doesn't necessarily have to be like your primary partner because not everyone's into that like i i don't personally i don't share my intimate relationships with my primary partner but like i've been in that situation and it Mm -hmm. it just feels very liberating Mm -hmm. to be like we just had sex but you know what i'm also talking about how i just had sex with someone else and it's okay because i i I don't need to hide it right Mm -hmm. And yeah. we both know that we're here for casual. And that's in one of your episodes, uh, Dr. Sana was saying casual doesn't have to be like not in depth or not rewarding. You could have something with value, with a lot of value. Yeah. 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 And I will say, and um, just on his point about how all the women have been really respectful, I think also part of that is we also have veto power. So like if I don't like a woman for whatever reason, I can say like she's off the table. So I've pulled that veto power for women who I think are too young. Anybody under 27 is too young. Oh, really? I'm too young then. (laughs) (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) You're turning 27 soon. (laughs) Yeah, my birthday is in like a month. Um, And the other veto power I pulled is like just being like, you know what, babe? This woman is flaky. I don't like the way she's treating you. I think she's got some stuff to work out. I think you can do better. I want him to have connections outside of our relationship because they're exciting and like interesting and new and additive and not just like this sort of Neanderthal like woman, sex, let's do it, you know? Has that been an issue or has has it been mostly okay? I haven't felt like it's been a big issue. Yeah, there was one person that uh, she was vetoed. She's not now, as, as I understand. I think since so. Since we yeah, talk about her, I... she was vetoed just simply because actually we were once in a threesome, and Ruth saw how much we were enjoying sex with each other in mm. front of mm-hmm. her, even though she likes to watch, and that turns her on. And there, there was other issues. There was like money issues. Money like issues at that point. We, we, were, got, we got into a fight. fight. Yeah, yeah, we got into a fight. So she was wrapped into that story. Wait, a white money fight? I don't oh, understand. it's just like there. we got into a fight about money. And she happened to be the one lover that I was seeing at that time. Right. And so we have this rule of like when we're fighting, we don't see Oh, I see, I see. I yeah. could, well, she it, just happened it. to be the person that you could interchange her with yeah. anyone. So, else. Yeah, so it wasn't yeah. specific. To yeah, you were going through a rough yeah. patch. And so, no, but then also on top of that, I was like, we're shutting this down because we need to figure this out. And that's when we started going to therapy. It was yeah. partly because of open relationships, but a lot of it was just money. Basically, right. he was overspending and he didn't tell me. Yeah. And. But I didn't hide. I just didn't tell her because I was trying to fix it. I mm. never did. Oh, I see, uh, I see. And so, and so that was a breach of trust that happened. Yeah. So anyway, so I was like, okay, we're shutting this down. But also... I kind of used that opportunity to be like, and you can't see this woman because I had these visions of him running away with her and building a life with her because she was in Berlin. In Berlin. Because <laughs> she had been living in Berlin and she was smart, you know, she was beautiful and creative, his dream woman. And she would like to live in Berlin, where I've always been like, I can never live in Berlin. And then as we started going to therapy and started rebuilding trust around money, he would be like, can I see her now? Can I see her now? And I'd be like, no, no. And the more he fought 
to see her, the more I resisted because I was like, you are making me feel worse because the fact that you're fighting for her so hard makes me feel like I have a reason to be distrustful of this relationship. But also I must add, as a guy, you don't have a thousand and hundred options to see other people. So like, you know, I had very limited choices. So, you know, she was the person that was kind of like my lover at the time. And I was just trying to be like, can I reconnect with her? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's so interesting. Someone brought this up also in one of the podcasts that you guys were at, uh, in which he said that he was triggered by that person that his wife wanted to see. And it was probably because of that, because he could see how much she liked him, right? So mm-hmm. like, then the situation happens that, we, yes, we're open, but like, I don't want you to see that person. And it's because I see that you really like that person. And then on the other side, your partner might be like, but this is a person I do like. Why can I not see this person that I do like, yeah. but I can see the other person that do like? And it's because of that threat, right? Yeah. Threatening to see that. I think that working on like one's own insecurities helps with that because at the end of the day, the reason why you're open is maybe it's because you want your partner to have the most meaningful relationship. So it's a mm-hmm. tricky line to walk, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it took a lot of a lot of therapy, a lot of communication to overcome that. And I saw her right before the pandemic. Uh, we went out for a drink. Uh, the spark was still there. Uh, we knew that. But we both very mindfully, her and I, uh, decided to not pursue anything uh, and then mm-hmm. see. We have talked about her again. And it sounds like she is not veto anymore yeah i think one of the benefits of the pandemic was like we were pretty monogamous we had one threesome with a lover and but it really cemented our life together because we spent so much time together and we just fell so much more deeply in love and it just really reinforced this aspect of like you're my person. We want the same things. We're going to build a life together. Dumb things like taking a road trip, buying a car, like talking about like, hey, maybe we want to buy a place upstate, like all of these things, which, you know, before we had this apartment, but everything could be abandoned so much more quickly. And we've intertwined our lives so much more. And the fact that we could spend so much time together 24-7 for a year and still be so much in love, I think also like made me feel much more secure in our relationship. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I feel the same way with my partner and I feel like the pandemic was really like a test to a lot mm-hmm. of couples. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that you guys made it. You got an A <laughs> well, in that's your true. test. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well. that's beautiful. Okay, well, I do have to ask you guys, I mean, you've kind of touched on this, but what would you tell to a polycurious person? I always say like it's not for everybody mm-hmm. we have personalities that are predisposed to do this right like we love meeting new people we love going out we love new experiences we're exploratory other thing is that it's so much work it's worth it right it's like running a marathon right like there are times where you're like fuck this fuck this fuck this but then you complete a race and it feels so good where you are and there's so much pleasure and, and awesomeness in there. So you do have to go into it very committed to each other and being kind to each other. And it will help you in a lot of ways excavate a lot of 
latent feelings that you didn't know you had because like when you're telling your partner like this is bringing up feelings for me I don't want you to do this you have to explain why you can't just be like don't do it like in a normal relationship it's like don't make out with her because that's wrong but now it's like don't make out with her because why well because this brings up these feelings for me because of this thing in my childhood and because this happened to me and you end up so much closer to each other because you have to go through all of those things with your partner in order to make this work. So not for everyone, lots of work, but I think the rewards are worth it. Amazing. How about you, Alejandro? So I will say that you should do it definitely with a partner that will show you a lot of trust and who will provide you lots of reassurance within the relationship. I will also recommend take it one step at a time and baby steps are better than full steps and they are okay. And do so in a way that you can try it and always go back to yeah. not seeing other people and then assessing, reassessing. How did that feel? Do you think we could try it again, but differently? Yeah, that's exactly then, how I do it with, with, with Seth. Yeah. You know, have the conversations. Don't reach out to your lovers, uh, partners. Um, <laughs> Bad open relationship etiquette. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry to all the guys out there for the right cross. Well, you, 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 I, you didn't, I didn't mean you well. Redeem yourself yes, in the podcast. But, you know, I appreciate all of you guys. Um, and read about it too and find other people who are in the community that's also helpful and ask the questions i feel like two books that helped me tremendously were the ethical slot mm -hmm. and uh, opening up i believe is the name of the book by tristan tarmino mm -hmm. yeah. uh she's wonderful as well she even like answered an email from me before i was with ruth and uh it's a wonderful book and also as you're going in an open relationship in order to cope with this kind of lack of balance between genders from women to men as a man i would recommend that you understand that that lack of balance is always going to be there and to continue moving forward approaching women with joy and from a place of abundance and from a place of legitimately being happy about the fact that you have this huge privilege in a relationship that most men in the world don't have which is you can go flirt with a woman You can go like be sexy with her. You could go all the way and have sex with her. And the fact that you are just trying and most probably 90% of the time failing, but then like 10% of the time, like finding something that is way better than what most men have, because like that's, that's a huge privilege. It's not a right. Oh, beautiful. I love it. I feel like you guys should come back if, if we have a second season because it was so wonderful. You guys are the best. Uh, thank Thanks you so for much Amanda. for sharing all of your wisdom and experiences and being so open. And yeah. I'm sure so many people are going to benefit from this episode. So, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so for having us. That's it for today, guys. I hope that you enjoyed as much as I did because I certainly had a great time chatting with them. Please don't forget to share the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. It would mean so much to me. You can find us on Instagram at Polycurious Podcast and you can write to us at our email, polycuriouspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening and I'll catch you all next week. <laughs>